Greetings and so light to all my friends. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, Orange County's alternative radio station, and quite possibly the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. Welcome to What Would Arwen Do? Broadcasting from UC Irvine, Tuesdays, 4 to 5 p.m., I am Tani Tanuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. My Govanin and Suilaid, whether you are joining us live or online, greetings. And I know Vana is listening from up in Washington. We are so thankful for the wonders of the Internet that join us globally, kind of like the Pelantiri. So, hello, dear friend, elf friend up in Washington, and Sil may be listening from the Midwest. John Paul, an elf among men. Hopefully he's listening in somewhere. Last week we had so much fun. We had um, an interview with uh, the star and producer, Max McLean, of the Screwtape Letters. And that show is up on podcast. And we had a couple of people call in. John Paul called in and um, Chris Montgomery won tickets for the screw tape production so we'll all be having a grand time in july with that but we'll hear a little bit more about that in just a little bit in case you are tuning in for the very first time you may be wondering what this show is all about well if a middle earth elf lived today in southern california in irvine to be more precise what might her life look like How would she, as a modern elf, celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, and the preservation of Earth, its beauty, resources, and creatures, things the elves care deeply about? Hoot, and who was Arwen, you may be wondering, and why would we ask, what would Arwen do? In J.R.R. Tolkien's Mythology of Middle-Earth, Arwen was an elf princess, the daughter of Elrond, a prince among elves, and the lord of Rivendell, a magical place of healing lore and wisdom, perhaps not unlike the community here at UC Irvine. Arwen embodied the archetype of a true princess of the light, a beloved daughter of the universe like all the women of this fair celestial home called Earth, or an elvish Arda. I believe Arwen, like all elves, understood the principle of noblesse oblige, with great privilege comes responsibility. In Arwen we see courage, wisdom, beauty, a sense of humor and gaiety, and service to others. 
So this show was inspired by my now over 10 years experiment, which started out as an experiment of my life as an elf. What if I lived like an elf? Would my life be any better or worse or different? Now 10 years, the grand experiment has turned into a grand adventure. And uh, here we are. Today I'm very excited. Hopefully by tuning in, you are inspired to find your own creative gifts and enrich not only your your life but the lives of those around you by manifesting that in the world. And today I'm very excited. After just a few brief announcements, I have an in-studio guest and it's going to be all about the music today. We elves love the music and the dancing. So today it's going to be all about the music. My very special guest, Ronald Fernandez. And in case you want to check out his website before we get into our conversations, you can find that at www.fernandezmusic, that's F-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z-M-U-S-I-C, fernandezmusic.com. And first, though, we're going to talk a little bit, uh, we've got a little adventure report and some news about local events. If you'd like to contact me, I would love to hear from you at askanelf, A-S-K-A-N-E-L-F, askanelf at yahoo.com. And we will have this program up on podcast. I think I've let you know last week or the last couple of weeks that the elf will be taking a little vacation. Uh, Well, not really a vacation, but a little leave for the summer to work on some things and coming back with... uh, the proverbial elves bells with bells on in the fall Um, but I already have some great uh, um, interviews lined up for the fall and some things planned so um, we'll just be away for a little while but the podcasts will be up and you can find those on our website at www.kuci.org and our public affairs website at kucitalk.org And, lest I forget, in just a few weeks, we will be having another DJ training. So in case you are a UCI student or faculty or staff, or I believe the summer session is generally open to community members. And so you can find more information about that on our website at KUCI.org. But perhaps you can come, take about eight weeks of training, and find out what the FCC requires in case KUCI asks of you, uh, intern a little bit, uh, make a demo tape of what your show would be like, and who knows, he might be just wild and crazy enough to give you a show as well. So, the music that we heard on the opening of the show was the Academy Award-winning music of Howard Shore, who, those of us who uh, love all things Tolkien and all of the ways that um, artists and musicians creative people bring those works into the world the those that many of us absolutely love the music of Howard Shore and the soundtrack that he made for the Lord of the Rings movies and are very excited to find out what he's going to be doing for The Hobbit and we will get a little teaser taste of that from the excerpt from the trailer of the dwarves singing the Misty Mountains Cold 
But before we do that, I want to just uh, mention a couple of things, a little adventure report from the ELF. Last weekend, I was at church, and there was a, an organization, a couple there from an organization called Open Arms. And I'm very excited because they will be coming. Um, Heidi will be coming on, at least, and perhaps her husband, in the fall. And we'll talk about this amazing organization right down in Mexico. And... Many of us are aware that there are lots of organ, uh, orphanages in Mexico. We may not be aware that in Me- Mexico there is no daycare. And one of the reasons why the orphanages are so full is because very often the parents have to work and there's no one to care for the children and they just end up dropping them off at orphanages. And the husband, I apologize, I don't remember the husband's name. I always tend to, you know, gravitate, <laughs> remember the women's names. But he actually was in, uh, lived in an orphanage almost his whole life, from the age of about three. And now he and his wife, Heidi, uh, have started this organization, Open Arms. You can visit their website. I made a... Um, in case you want to get some information in the meantime, and that is www.openarmsmexico.org. And their whole goal is keeping chill, uh, families together, so preventing child abandonment, keeping providing free daycare so that children are not dropped off at or- orphanages. And amazing, amazing people. And I was so inspired by what the work of just two people, this one couple who just wanted to see... Uh, families staying together instead of dealing with children once they're in the orphanages they're actually doing something to keep the families together that's their whole passion and their goal and they're doing that on a grand scale they now have 30 um, families or women that are on the waiting list and I don't know 40 or 50 families that they're helping daily they've opened a teen center and uh, again you can get more information and maybe get involved with them um, by um, visiting their website, www.openarmsmexico.org. If you talk to them, you can't help but be inspired. A couple of other things. Um, Max McLean interview is up on podcast. He's going to be here with the Screw Tape Letters at the Barclay Theater, July 12th through 15th. You can find the podcast on kci.org or through iTunes. Uh, just Google or uh, search for Arwen and look for what would Arwen do. And uh, that's going to be a grand, wonderful uh, thing if you are a big fan of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, a contemporary and friend of J.R.R. Tolkien at the Barclay Theater right here on the campus of UC Irvine. And Fellowship the Musical, of course, the musical parody of the... Uh, Fellowship of the Ring, still playing up in L, uh, L.A. at the Trippany House. You can find information about that, fellowshipthemusical.com. And lastly, uh, wonderful Middle Earth things going on around town. In Fullerton, uh, start, it started uh, June 1st. It's going to go through July 14th. The Hobbit play is back at the Maverick in Fullerton. And my very special guest next week will be Nathan McCarrick, who is the producer and director of The Hobbit Play. Uh, if you remember last year, we interviewed Nathan and The Hobbit got to go see the play. And I believe they're having a DVD coming out soon. And Nathan will be in studio next week, June 12th, for an interview. So we'll have lots of fun talking about Hobbits and Hobbit plays and things of that nature right here on What Would Arwen Do? So next Tuesday. So let's hear a, 
a little bit of Hobbit music just in celebration of the Hobbit movie movies. First one coming out next December. Let's hear the dwarves singing the Misty Mountain Coals excerpt from the trailer came out last December for The Hobbit. And of course, this is music by Howard Shore. This is KUCI in Irvine. Far over the misty mountains cold Two dungeons deep and caverns old And yes, indeed, that was the dwarves singing the misty mountains cold, a little excerpt from the two-minute trailer for The Hobbit Movies to be released in December 2012. So many wonderful movies out right now, too. I don't know if you've seen it, but I can't wait to see Snow White and the Huntsman. Got to see The Avengers a week or so ago. Love those archetypal heroes' quest women's empowerment especially (laughs) movies so excited to see snow white and the huntsman and of course a little later this month brave will be coming out all about girls with bows and arrows so music today we are going to have lots of music and i'm so excited our show will go for two hours today because the blue and gold report is on a little break followed at 6 p.m by the amazing rachel ray's cooking accident hosted by um, her loveliness herself, Heather McCoy. I hope you will stay with us for that. So, music, music, everywhere. I want to read a little bit for you from uh, a book by Colin Durias, Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings, A Guide to Middle-Earth. He has a little excerpt here about music with regards to key themes, concepts, and images in Tolkien. And Colin says, music and song are a central theme running through Tolkien's tales of Middle-earth. His mythology begins with the Ainulindali, the music of the Ainur. Before the creation of the world, its character and development is expressed in music. The presence of evil in the world is prefigured in a discord introduced by Morgoth, Melkor, a discord which Iluvatar who is referred to as God or this, you know, the, the creator of all things, which Iluvatar is able to harness into a greater ultimate harmony. The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings are replete with songs, songs integral to the story. Tolkien wrote major sections of the Ainulindali in verse, which, though not song, is closer to music than prose is, which is true of all poetry. Modern composers such as Donald Swan and Stephen Oliver have been able to set songs from Middle-earth to music with great effect. A love of song is characteristic of elves and hobbits. Tom Bombadil's speech is very long. Says song is also part of the narrative action and key stories of the First Age. In the tale of Beryn and Luthien, the elf maiden, the the elven king Finrod Filigund battles with Sauron in song, and the singing of Luthien destroys Sauron's tower at Tolserion. In Dariath, her singing had enchanted Beryn, as her mother's singing had enchanted her father, Thingol, in earlier days. In the tale of Turin Turambar, after Turin finds healing at the pools of Ivrin, he is able to make a song for his lost friend Beleg, and is thus able to act once more in defiance of the enemy. In the Third Age, this direct power of song only seems to be retained by Galadriel. 
Her lament in Lorien, sung while the company of the ring were there, mentions this power. I sang of leaves, of leaves of gold, and leaves of gold there grew. Of wind I sang, a wind there came, and in the branches blew. The power of song is the magical power lying behind creation, an idea C.S. Lewis took up in the creation of Narnia in The Magician's Nephew. So music and song. Uh, of course, the Ainu Lindeli is J.R.R. Tolkien's creation story. And we see the entire world being created through the power of music. I am going to read to you for you a very small little piece, which is one of my favorite paragraphs in all of the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. And I want to get a lot of time in with our guest today. But of course, you know, we love to weave the works of J.R.R. Tolkien into this show because this is KUCI in Irvine and we are non-mainstream music and non-mainstream public affairs. And our website is at KUCI.org if you'd like to check out more about that. This from the Ainu Lindeli, which means the song of the Ainur. The Ainur were the angelic beings of, K- of J.R.R. Tolkien's creation. And it says here, Then Aluvatar said to them, Of the theme that I have declared to you, I will now that ye make in harmony together a great music. And since I have kindled you with the flame imperishable, ye shall show forth your powers in adorning this theme, each with his own thoughts and devices, if he will. But I will sit and hearken, and be glad that through you great beauty has been wakened into song." Then the voices of the Ainur likened to harps and loops and pipes and trumpets and viols and organs, and likened to countless choirs singing with words, began to fashion the theme of Iluvatar to a great music. And a sound arose of endless interchanging melodies woven in harmony that passed beyond hearing into the depths and into the heights and the places of the de- dwelling of Iluvatar were filled to overflowing. And the music and the echo of the music went out into the void, and it was not void. So there are some other excerpts that I was thinking of sharing with you, but time is short, and I want to jump right into music with our very special guest today and get some music firsthand. Ah, there's some music in the background. So, <laughs> lovely. That's a charango, and uh, charango is a uh, small guitar. Uh, today I'm going to... Very spend, small. Yes, it's about the size of a ukulele. And Before we get into this, let me just say, yes. for, for my guest, this, my guest today is Ron Fernandez, 
a musician, PhD, lecturer, importer of guitars, maker of guitars and all kinds of wonderful things. His website, again, in case you want to uh, check it out while we're talking, www.fernandez, that's Fernandez with a Z, fernandezmusic.com. And Ronald, thank you so much for being here today. You can call me Ron, Princess. Okay. Um, Okay, I was going to tell you about this instrument a little Hold bit. Hold up, let me let me take and that out. going it's, to okay. It's so little. It's this, so adorable. And oh my gosh, this is the one that's. What is this here? This is a little hairy it's, part. It's made out of an armadillo. It, it's a real armadillo. I and, wish our listeners could see this. This is a real. Is this is this would be like? I didn't even know that armadillos had a hair. Well, this is a this is a South American armadillo, which has, and we can see the ears on the body here Aww. and the hair. This is a, a hairy armadillo called a querquincho, all right. And this instrument, um, it's about the size of a ukulele, and it has has ten strings, sort of. And listen to it. So it's tuned, so it's unison, unison, octave, unison, unison, and it's tuned G, C, E, A, E. Uh, and this one um, I, I got from uh, Renny Gombo, who's a, a well-known maker in Bolivia, and I've been playing around with uh, charangos for uh, a few decades. Um, Charango, I've, I haven't heard of that before. It's... And, and that's what you were playing, that lovely little... Was, yes. What, what, what oh, was that, that piece, you were playing it? That, that piece, piece is called El Condor Pasa, the uh, the condor flies past. <gasps> but it's also known uh, because Paul Simon put words to it, and it's called If I Could, which is a very famous uh, Simon and Garfunkel song. Oh. And this song was written about uh, 1915 uh, by Alomias uh, Robles. And uh, Paul Simon heard it in, in the late... 60s and uh, he put words to it and it became an international hit um, so it's, it's quite well known um, I became interested in the charango when I was in graduate school in Montreal I went to McGill and uh, there was a, a small uh, Swiss man who played this he was playing with a, uh, a number of Chilean refugees and he, the other people, the re- refugees from Chile, were uh, average musicians. But this man, this little Swiss man, uh, Edmund Badu, who's become quite famous in, in certain musical circuits, he was playing this instrument. And uh, that and very th- one? Well, not this one. Oh. Uh, later, uh, no, not this one. Uh, I eventually imported some, and he bought. He came locally from where he was in Northern California, and he bought one from me. Was his an armadillo as well? Yes, it was. Um, <gasps> wow. Um, the, this particular instrument is actually, uh, it's related to the Baroque guitar. Uh, so guitars from about 250 years ago. The Baroque guitar is like the Spanish guitar, except it had um, five courses. A course is, is one or two strings it's, uh, that are played together. And um, the, uh, the Baroque guitar... Uh, was brought to South America to the, where the silver mines were, and the Spaniards didn't like to work, and they had all their Indian slaves. Mm. And the thing was that the, the local people made um, a copy of the Spanish instrument, and they used the local the local armadillo. They also make them in wood, and uh, I've seen them made out of plastic and many other things. There's... Uh, they're played in Bolivia and Peru and Ecuador, and throughout the world, there's groups of these people who are, are immigrants that play in many places. I've seen them play in Madrid, I've seen them in Montreal, I've seen them 
uh, right here. Now, <coughs> and what what do you think would have if if they the ones that they first saw were wood? You know, why would they have chosen to use an armadillo? Why wouldn't they have just you know decided to carve wood and make them out of wood? What well, do you think? Well, you know, inspired you know, them to use an armadillo in, in, in the New World. Um, they didn't have much metal. Uh, in, in Mexico, they didn't, and and in the United States, the, the natives. And so, uh, woodworking was a bit hard. And um, but oh. they also ma- they made them out of other sp- things too. But this this is so wonderful because it just fits, and it looks something like at that time they also had lutes. Lutes were uh, had a had a bow. So is back. that the natural shape of an armadillo? Yeah, this is a normal. So shape. it automatically has that little hourglass kind of. Yes. Uh-huh. It's and uh, you can you can see the ears. People often ask me, no. "Is that is that real?" And oh, um, there's an interesting interesting Aren't story. Are you afraid of rubbing his little hair off if you play? Yeah, well, it does. It can. Yeah. Um, oh my but goodness! These are connected. So beautiful. In in South America, they're connected with a few interesting things. Uh, in Peru, the boys before they get married, they uh, the boys and the girls traditionally could not speak to one another. And the boys would go with their charangos to the marketplace and would uh, eye the girls. And then uh, there would be a, a public dance where the girls were in the center and the guys were dancing a- around the outside. So it was used for courtship. Ah. And, and, and after, um, after the, they got married, uh, they would put the charango away. All right? So it was, <laughs> it was a sign of, that they were on the prowl. Well, okay. they shouldn't put it away. They needed. They should have kept it out for keeping their love alive. You right. know. Yeah. <laughs> and and the other thing is that um, it has some supernatural connections too. Oh. Um, it's um, sometimes they they say that uh, if you if they would leave it on the wall, uh, the devil would speak through it. Oh. Uh, that was one. <laughs> but the other thing was that if you if you took um, uh, if if you left it by a water source. Uh, because water sources are where the underworld comes from, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, near a waterfall or a lake, and you left uh, some kind of gift of candy or alcohol or something, ah. then then the serena, which is a, a Spanish word for mermaid, uh-huh. would come and tune it. Which <gasps> oh, is a, a very, very... That. that. That's a cool story. Yes. Um, so this these instruments, um, you can go on to um, YouTube and see many people play them. Uh, Rennie Gombo is playing there, but also Ernesto Cavour. Ernesto Cavour, he has a, a website, ernestocavour.com, and he has written a 400-page book, which he now gives away for free as a P- PDF downloads. And he also has uh, a free chord book for this. Now, you are an importer of... Uh Guitars, and if someone actually was interested in getting an armadillo, well, armadillo, we can't. Well, armadillos have become uh, restricted okay. now since 1999. So they need good. Um, yeah, uh, bef- the uh, the large armadillos are completely restricted. The small ones uh, need paperwork, but but it's impossible to get. So the, uh, essentially, you can't get any of these. But the wooden ones sound as good or even better. Uh, there's pictures on my website of them. And um, it's just something that I, I've been interested in a long time. It's, it's quite easy to play if you play guitar because it's, it's tuned as the, the fifth fret on the guitar for four of the strings. G, C, E, A. That's like the first uh, four strings on the guitar, which is the same tuning as the ukulele. All right, oh. which we'll get to the ukulele in a little bit here. Um, so take a look at this. This is a, a really charming instrument. It's, uh, I, I've played many different ethnic instruments, and... 
Uh, the charango is very, it, it's always loud because it's in the range in which we hear best. We hear best between 1,000 a, a and 4,000 cycles per second. And, and this instrument is within that range. And uh, it cuts through all the other music. And um, there's people use it somewhat in popular music, too. Yeah. Um, I want to read a little excerpt <laughs> because you were talking about this one, these wonderful stories. This is from The Lord of the Rings at the end in the appendix. Um, because the uh, elf minstrels were ver very magical. You know, the whole thing about elf music. Um, and this is from the story of uh, the meeting of a part of the tale of Arwen and Aragorn. This is What Would Arwen Do here on KUCI in Irvine. And it says here, and this is just about their, um, the meeting of Aragorn and Arwen. It says, The next day at the hour of sunset, Aragorn walked alone in the woods, and his heart was high within him. And he sang, for he was full of hope, and the world was fair. And suddenly, even as he sang, he saw a maiden walking on a, green, green, on a greensward among the white stems of the birches. And he halted, amazed, thinking that he had strayed into a dream, or else that he had received the gift of the elf minstrels, who can make the things of which they sing appear before the eyes of those that listen." So lots of wonderful magic involved with the music of elves. And, of course, uh, Finrod Feligund, an elven king, when he first encountered the first men who came west, he discovered them in a camp, and they had accrued harps, and he went down among them, took up their harp, and began to play. And they all woke up and thought that they were in dream, in a dream, except they noticed that their fellow men were awake. And he taught them great wisdom through the music and through his singing. So, lots of wonderful, you know, mythologies, a lot of mythologies and wonderful things around musical instruments. Yes, music, uh, going back to the Greeks, always had connections with... Uh, so, how far do, mu do stringed instruments go back? Well, um, I, I met a man, Efren Zuckerman, in um, Manchester um, 30 years ago, and he makes strings for uh, lutes and uh, antique instruments. And uh, I was surprised to find that um, metal strings uh, went all the way back to the Egyptians. They, oh, the Egyptians knew how... Metal strings? The Egyptians knew how to pull, uh, to pull metal, which really surprised me. I had thought that all the strings were made from gut. Gut actually intestines of, of, uh, of animals. Right. Uh, I have a friend uh, whose family started Labella strings in New York... Um, uh, Daniel Mari. Daniel Mari is about 85, and he's still very active, and he makes me custom strings. He makes other people's strings for uh, for my flamenco guitars and for my charangos and for my Portuguese guitars. And um, his family has been making strings and was in the guild since the year 1600. Wow. So, so, so a center place for string making was uh, Italy since the Renaissance. Um, since our, so did they have metal strings there? Uh, well, actually, or, or did the no. Egyptians have it and then it kind of died out for a while? Well, no, no. <laughs> uh, I think through medieval times and Roman times, uh, they they made uh, strings out of metal and they also made strings out of gut. Uh, within since the Second World War, the gut strings have essentially been replaced by uh, nylon. Um, the strings, if somebody, if you see a, a classical guitar, the first three strings are uh, sing, monofilament 
nylon, which looks like fishing line. And then the last three strings are very fine filaments, which look like silk, but they're, they're nylon, and they're wrapped with, uh, with metal. And mm. uh, so different thicknesses yield different sounds. Um, I have a flamenco guitar here that has those kind of that has those kind of strings. So I can Will you play a little for us? We yes. love the music. Yes. Uh, in case you are just just tuning in, this is what would Arwen do? KUCI in Irvine. My guest today is Ron Fernandez. Website www.fernandezmusic.com. Okay, I'm gonna play. Um, some flamenco music. I, I used to play uh, for the dance classes here at UCI, oh. fl- flamenco dance classes, and also at uh, UCLA. Uh, my father is Spanish, and he was born in Spain, came in 1935, and my grandfather came in 1920. I was born in New Jersey, but I came. we came to California in 1962, and we lived in Anaheim a few years. I went to school there, and then I went to Corona del Mar, and I graduated there. I went to Santa Barbara after that and got a a bachelor's in anthropology and a minor in music. And I spent one term here at UCI in 1968 at when there were only 1,200 students. <laughs> and I've been now u- we're a small city. Yes, and I've been using the library since that time. So I've been using the library for 44 years. Oh, that's which, wonderful. <laughs> yes. Um, Thank and, you, UCI. <laughs> and um, after I graduated from Santa Barbara, I, well, um, I started playing uh, guitar, flamenco and classical guitar when I was 14. And I studied under Seiko Sissoko, who was a, a master uh, classical guitarist. He, he lived in Anaheim. He had immigrated. Um, he was Jap- of Japanese descent, but raised in Brazil. Um, around that t- around when I was 15 or 16, my father uh, sent me to Spain to live with my uncle in the summers. And I went with my grandmother, and, mm. and we, we... Did you love that? Well, I li- yeah, well, yes, it's affected my whole life in many ways. Uh, my father was from Galicia, which is northwest Spain over Portugal, uh, near Santiago de Compostela. It's, it's actually near where, where oh. there's all the, the pilgrimages. Yes, but, yes. Uh, they, he lived near uh, La Coruña, which is a town that it goes back 2,000 years, and um, near uh, Batanthos, which was a Roman town. And he lived on, uh, in a little town with 1,000 people. So when I was 15, 16... Uh, and I got to go there and spend the summers. And then I went to the University of Madrid for a summer uh, when I was 18. And uh, when I was 16, uh, my father, he was in the wood importing business, and he would make some money in Italy and in Spain, but he couldn't bring the money back because of Franco. Francisco Franco had uh, uh, restrictions on exporting of money. So he bought me a guitar for me and a guitar for my teacher, from Jose Ramirez, who is uh, one of the great makers uh, and he, who made guitars for Segovia and Sabicas and many other people. And so that was in 1965. And after that, I got to meet all the great Spanish guitar makers. And great Spanish guitars now, they cost ten to $25,000. Mm. All right. Those are completely handmade instruments. Uh, what I'm going to play on now is an instrument that was made by Felix Monsonetto for me. Felix Monsonetto worked for Jose Ramirez for 12 years and became a master maker. This particular instrument is a flamenco oh. instrument and it's uh, utter, it's very beautiful. Uh, the back is made out of 40-year-old aged uh, Spanish cypress which has a wonderful smell. It has German spruce for the face. It, it's inlaid around the sound hole with 15,000 little pieces of wood uh, for the rosette. 15,000? Yeah. It, it, it's not, it's, they're not in, in put in individually. 
they're they're layered and then they're cut and and so it it sounds more difficult <laughs> than it is. Um, there's and then this particular instrument um, it also has um, gold engraved tuners from Fustero, which those are about, they're about six hundred dollar tuners. But okay, um, what makes a great all right, this is a, a flamenco guitar and a flamenco guitar is slightly different than a classical guita guitar. A classical guitar will have a dark wood on the back, uh, usually uh, Indian or Brazilian rosewood. Brazilian's now banned. Uh, but they have a different kind of sound. The flamenco guitar has more of a percussive sound. And, and a classical guitar will have a sound which sustains more. And what the uh, superficially, there's some differences, but I'm, I'm going to explain a little bit more in detail about the construction differences. Mm -hmm. Below the sound hole, uh, there is a, a bar, and then there's uh, what's called fan bracing. This is hidden. This is inside um, the guitar under the soundboard. Right? And uh, this particular, the area on the uh, flamenco guitar is, has a more flexible soundboard. And it's more flexible because it's thinner. It's probably two and a half millimeters, while a classical will be three millimeters. It has less bracing, and it has less dome. All great guitars have a slight dome to the top. Hmm. And because of those those characteristics, the instrument, the, the, the note will come out much quicker and it will die out. Hmm. There's some other differences. The, the, uh, the neck has a slight angle forward at the head, about three millimeters. Uh, and there's some other uh, factors which uh, would be difficult to explain <laughs> here. All right, but... Right. So the first but it makes that more of a percussive sound, you said, rather than yeah. the su sustained sound but of a these, classical. Even these, these sustain yeah. quite well. All right. And, and I'm going I'm to play a, uh, a soliatus first. A soliatus is, is a song of sadness. It's uh, a very typical flamenco song, and it has a 12-count cycle. So the way we learn how to play um, flamenco music is we learn these compas cycles. And Indian ragas have them, but uh, flamenco music has them too. Mm. So this this is a 12-count cycle. begins on one. There's an accent on the third, sixth, eighth, and tenth. All right? And I want you to hear that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, and ten, eleven, twelve. Okay. That cycle is very important because it allows me to play with any dancer right away. Because the dancer, I say, I'm going to play in soliatus, they know that we have to come together probably on the tenth count, the third mm. and the tenth count. And the singers, a flamenco singer, sings differently every time. And the quality of the voice is not usually appreciated by Westerners um, until you learn about it. But what happens is the singer, he will be reciting uh, or making up poetry or re reciting standard poetry, which is usually two or four lines long. It'll be uh, seven or eight syllables. And he has to map, map the seven or eight syllables onto the 12 counts. So... Mm -hmm. um, so the the guitarist, the the dancer, and the singer can perform right away without any written music, which mm. is is a great yes. thing. All right, so I'm going to play a little bit of Soliatus. It has um, there's um, chorded sections, and then there's some melodies. Oh, let's see this.
I I took a little uh, in ballet class. We had learned some flamenco and went to some workshops. I love flamenco dancing. It's it's just it's so passionate. And watching it and doing it, it just it's like your whole soul comes alive in a different way. And uh, the music, of course. Is is the thing? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's many. That there's is many, beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. There's many forms. Um, there's about seventy uh, forms that are, are used all the time. So the soliatus is is one in a twelve count cycle, and then there's another one, an allegrius from allegra, which means a, happy, a song of happiness. So that one, instead of being played in in the traditional Spanish mode, which is called the Phrygian mode, which goes. Listen to this. That's an F to an E chord. Alright. That's a that's the cadence in a Phrygian mode. Alright. As opposed to the cadence in a uh, a major key. Alright, here's in a major key. Most of our music is played in that. Or let's see. That's a B7 to an E, or if it's in minor. Almost all of our folk music is done like that. Occasionally, you will hear this particular pattern, A minor, G, F, E, in rock and roll songs. One of the fa- most famous would be the Sultans of Swing. Is actually, it's actually done in this, this kind of mode. Right. Um, oh, you can sing that. <laughs> oh, well, I've been working on it a little bit, but I don't sing it. Uh, oh. uh, we can do that some other time, though. <laughs> um, but, all right, so the Alegrias is also in a 12-count cycle, so it would be... One, two, if you're not used to flamenco music, you use, uh, uh, you wouldn't usually hear it. But we, uh, as North Americans, are probably very tuned to blues music. We know when that sounds right. And mm-hmm. if you hear a European sing it, they may get it or may not. <laughs> the same thing with this. Um, okay, and um, there's other forms that are in in four four time, and but they're they're counted out to eight steps. So like a flamenco dance would count this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one. That's how they keep together. Mm, yes. All right. <gasps> so if you, like, say, just if you went somewhere, like, say you were in a local pub or a pub that would, you know, um, and you, and there were dancers and, and you picked up a guitar and you began to play something, would a dancer automatically know a dance most that, would, the, that would go to a certain tune yeah, or a certain uh, rhythm? Mo- most of the dancers would if they've studied for a bit. So um, they could get up. And dance. If yeah, someone, they would you know, get up. So and that, does this happen spontaneously? Yeah, well, places where can I find it? <laughs> well, we we there's a, a circuit of people who have parties that um, in, in the 90s I was playing at Orange Coast College and there there were uh, I was playing for this class with Henry Bissoncon who's since died but there were 50 or 60 people in this class and Lilia Urens a little uh, redheaded Cuban woman who had studied with great dancers she taught there. And she, for years, she would have um, many people come back. And so there's a circuit of people that we have parties once a year or something, and they get together. Oh. And some of them have become the Billy Dance instructors. Uh, but So there's, there's this crossover between... And spontaneous and, music and dance happens. Yes. 
But the thing is that they, there's all these forms to everything. Without forms, you can't you can't right. create anything. Right. Um, so um, now your lovely wife Jeanette, who I've had the privilege of meeting, is an absolute angel on earth. She's a Scots. Right. Yes. And um, so. How does she fit into this? I mean, oh, first, okay. I, I'd like to know how you met, and you know, what is because you guys do a lot of this together. Um, does she like? Does she play? Does she like to dance? Does she? You know, how does, uh, well, how does she fit in with Jeanette, the, um When I went to graduate school in Montreal, I went uh, in anthropology, and I did my my masters uh, doing studies of uh, Spanish speakers in Montreal. Montreal had ten thousand South Americans and Spaniards, and um, so the first year I was in Montreal in 1970, which, by the way, had 12 feet of snow. It was a terrible <laughs> winter. And, um, but after uh, about a year and a half, I worked at a psychiatric hospital also, did my conscientious objector service in a psychiatric hospital oh. at the Al Memorial Institute. And, and then I uh, wound up, uh, I had a Jewish girlfriend, and we went into uh, uh, a, what seemed to be a Spanish restaurant, but it was a Portuguese restaurant, and I met a man who was Portuguese, and he, uh, I was playing there, and he asked me if I would meet him the next day. I was about 23 years old, and he was uh, 50-something, and so uh, his name was Arthur Geipo. I met him the next day for coffee. And he he looked strange at first, but as I got to I got to know him and his family, and he was a great uh, great guitarist, not just a now. Spanish why did he guy. look strange? Oh, I just uh, I didn't understand at the moment. Uh, but he he was he was fine. He was uh, it was just uh, I, I don't different know. culture, different. Yeah. Um, and okay, so the thing is, we started out in the summer playing duets on the Spanish guitar. So we would play uh, like uh, bullfight songs, and we'd play uh, oh. um, Zorba the Greek, and performed professionally um, in Montreal, which has a nice uh, nightlife, and we did uh, some little television programs and radio programs, and then we did a tour of the, uh, the prisons, and uh, men's prisons and women's prisons, and at the same time, I was also, I was doing this study for my master's, and I was going to the Centro Gallego. The, uh, the Gallegos are the people from northwestern Spain, and they had a social club in Montreal. And I became part of their uh, rondalla. The rondalla had um, had mandolins, guitars, and bandurias and lauds. Those are uh, they look like larger twelve-string mandolins. And so I'm performing with them. And then I, then Arthur Geipo found a couple more Portuguese and a man who gave him a Portuguese guitar, which we're going to look at shortly. The Portuguese guitar is a kind of sitern, and it's used for playing fado music. Playing what? Fado music. F-A-D-O. Fado music, if you look at Amalia Rodriguez, is a famous singer. And within the last 10 years, there's been uh, major singers from Portugal come here. Marissa was one of them. And uh, there's other ones. And so I learned how to accompany uh, the fado music. The fado music is played on the Portuguese guitar, which is a 12-string. It looks like a large mandolin, but it's technically a citern. A citern is a teardrop-shaped body with double strings, double metal strings, and it has very unusual tuners. 
um, and the the Portuguese guitar, the 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 Spanish guitar in Portuguese is called viola. From there's an old word vihuela in Spanish, but uh, people always get confused thinking that uh, we don't know what we're talking about. That <laughs> they're, but but they're always played in duets. And um, I've been doing uh, historical research on this, and I found instruments like these going back to the 12th century, the uh, the guitarra latina and guitarra morisco. Um, and there's there's pictures of those in the Cantigas de Santa Maria, which is a very famous um, uh, book of paintings and uh, poems. Right. So I I, um, I I wound up getting a professional apprenticeship with Arthur Geipel. I learned how to, to accompany the singers and all. And my wife Jeanette was working. So where did, where oh, in this process you. did you meet Jeanette? Yeah, that's what I'm going to tell you. Oh, okay. Well, actually, when I went to McGill. Um, uh, she was working for the for the uh, Department of Anthropology. She was the administrative assistant. So you were still this is still while you were studying your yeah I was for your anthropology yes right degree. and uh, so uh, she worked for the chairman of the department in the anthropology department and she was the same age as the graduate students that so she hung around with us and that's that's where that went. And, then, and did she like that kind of music oh, and yes. the type of thing you oh, did? Oh yes, and she uh, would come because that's that's quite you know quite different from you know oh, from Scottish, Scottish. of course yeah well <laughs> you yeah know, we like to jump around and you know yes very uh, different Celtic um, fun well, things. Well, Jeanette was actually born in Scotland, and so uh, after we got married, I went there. I've been there a number of times, mm. and her mother was old Scotch. And uh, so I got to meet all of her relatives. They lived out between Glasgow and Edinburgh in, in a town called uh, Coatbridge. One of my favorite, favorite authors and um, just uh, people with an insight into spiritual things, uh, George MacDonald, uh, you know, is considered the, um, the beloved of the people. You know, the Sc- he was a Scottish writer and very influential in the life of C.S. Lewis. Um, I think he was born in 18... No, 17... Oh, anyway. George MacDonald. <laughs> okay, George MacDonald. Um, well, because so, you don't hear too much about, you know, no. about the Scots. Yeah, well, uh, they're there. Uh, yeah. I, I, in fact, before I met my wife, I didn't realize that they were still somewhat autonomous and mm. so i've learned much more about scotland and read into it i've read such lots a of beautiful country i can't i'm going there someday oh they yes. have castles and they have magic and yeah they certainly do yes and they do. uh we were walking we also uh found someone one who was making you saw the fairies while you were there well, no i found somebody <laughs> who was making the bagpipes oh. in edinburgh which is a bagpipes are four to six thousand oh, dollars they're, they're very expensive bagpipes are yes. amazing yes i in fact there was someone um they're so magical when i hear them i'm i become like uh i always think of the pied piper of hamlin but i i just i follow them when i go to these scottish fairs i have to be careful because they have the praise and stuff yes. yeah a, f- a few months ago actually i was at my home upstairs in my little bedroom in the trees on the green belt and i heard this sound i thought that sounds like bagpipes and i thought usually you know because people play music and things and you can hear it and i thought that for some reason it doesn't sound like a cd to me and i got up and i went downstairs and I started following the sound of this music and sure enough I got over to the um, little fire department to the el- no the elementary school oh. over there right there by East Bluff by Ralph's Market right, right. and there was a man walking out in the soccer field <clears throat> walking up and back in like a little big big square or something playing the bagpipes 
It was amazing. He was just out there practicing. I, I finally I approached him. I said, you know, he took a little break. I said, hi. I said, I, I just followed the sound and here you yeah. are. It's like magic. And he said, oh, you know, I'm just visiting my sister-in-law, my wife's family or something and came out here to practice. But, I mean, out there in the field, a, uh, in, playing the bagpipes. On, on California Street um, near the campus uh, where the fire department is, where the fire department is, um, one of the firemen practices out there he plays he plays bagpipes amazing well this is all about guitars today okay and we are going to have to segue into our second hour see how fast the time goes yes so this is kuci in irvine you have been listening to the music and the story of ronald lewis fernandez ron and his website is www.ronfernandez.com it's f-e-r-n no www.fernandezmusic f-e-r-n-a-n-d-e-z music.com and we are going to hear more about we haven't even gotten into ukuleles and into this work that you do in enhancing and improving these instruments things on your website Um, So I hope that you will stay with us for the second hour. We're going to have a few announcements. We'll have kind of a brief little introduction and be back for part two today of What Would Arwen Do? I would love to hear from you at askanelf at yahoo.com, askanelf at yahoo.com. And I do have to make a couple of quick announcements that I forgot to make earlier that I promised I would make about things coming up here locally. Over at the Center for Living Peace, they have 365... Um, project uh, 365 workshops coming up please visit their website it's all about learning to love yourself Uh, relationship you have with yourself is the most important relationship you will ever have it's going to be um, put on by Kelly Thornton Smith who is the founder of the Center for Living Peace with uh, best-selling author Sousa Scalora the first one is June 8th, coming up in just a few days from 9 a.m. to 12 and then 12 to 3. Then there's another one in July and August. Please, if you are interested, visit their website at goodhappens.org. I love the Center for Living Peace. They have summer camp that you can st- still sign up for that's coming up. Smiling Monkey Yoga, and there is a Smiling Monkey Yoga teacher training, especially if you are a yoga teacher like yours truly here. I'm going to be reviewing the training, and they're having another training coming up this Sunday at the Center for Living Peace. So that's going to be Sunday, June 10th from 8, uh, 9 to 4. Again, information you can get at goodhappens.org, or you can email Amy at amy at clubkidsyoga.com. There is still space in the Smiling Monkey Yoga Teacher Training. And then, of course, they have their movie nights coming up. All of this information on their website at www.goodhappens.org. I am Tani Tanuvio. I'm going to play. Actually, I'm going to ask Ron to give a little segue out with um, one of his amazing, we have a room full of musical instruments. And then we will be back in just a few minutes. (laughs) 